The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabricas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full program, you know what to do. Just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. Give yourself the gift of truth. And have you ever wondered what it would be like to talk to our cosmic neighbors, to different extraterrestrial species? Tonight's special guest did, and found that what they have to say is exciting and challenging. Tonight's special guest is a veteran of this program, Dr. Angela Thompson-Smith, right now on Veritas. Dr. Angela Thompson-Smith... PhD describes her life as taking place in three parts. The first part dealt with the physical, working as a nurse, social worker, a medical researcher in the UK and the US. The second part of her life focused on the mind, when she worked at the Pear Lab at Princeton University and studied psychology at Saybrook Graduate School. And the third part of her life has focused on spirit. Dr. Smith was recently ordained as a shamanic practitioner. She is the author of a number of books, including the latest one titled Voices from the Cosmos, which she co-authored with Dr. C.B. Scott Jones. Her website can be found at mindwiseconsulting.com, which is also linked at ours. And I would like to welcome my friend, Dr. Angela Thompson-Smith, back to Veritas. Hello, Angela, and welcome back. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. Always a pleasure. And let me just tell the audience that I expected to have a, a somebody else also with you joining today, uh, Dr. C.B. Scott Jones, but unfortunately he had some, some medical issues to take care of and, and uh, he passed the torch to you. Well, you're going to carry on, I'm sure. I'll carry the torch. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I just finished the book about five minutes ago and my goodness, when I see, you know, I'm always fascinated with remote viewing. Mm-hmm. But usually you don't hear remote viewers talk about communication with extraterrestrial species. What is the premise of the book? Let's start with that, Voices from the Cosmos. Voices from the Cosmos is a bit, well, quite a bit out of the box. Um, it's not your usual application of remote viewing. Uh, but I was working for nine years with a, a businessman who was rather unconventional And from time to time, he threw me projects and said, do you think you can do this with remote viewing? And we'd uh, figure out something. 
Uh, one of the projects he threw to me was, uh, can you talk to aliens with using remote viewing? If you can um, bring in people in remote viewing, how about aliens? So it was sort of a bit off the cuff and uh, we put something together and developed a protocol, which we then went on to do for a year with uh, a lot of success. This is a Wall Street guy who commissioned you to do this, right? Right, right. Can't give you his name. Of course. Um, very, very innovative and forward-thinking gentleman. Well, as of now, I know that uh, he has sold his business and, and retired. Uh, what has what was his impression of the end result of all of this, by the way? After we'd, we'd been doing this for about a year, um, he got a little bit spooked. Um, I think he realized he was treading on some very controversial ground and uh, so decided, uh, let's get back to business remote viewing. And consequently, the, the files just stayed in my computer for about seven years and we didn't do anything with them. I remember during our last conversation, you were kind of uh, keeping this close to your chest because I try to price some information and I guess you weren't ready back then. Why? Right, right. Yeah, I was sort of hinting at what might be and it wasn't until my client retired and uh, he actually, I believe, shredded all of his documents, uh, but I kept mine and they were mine. I, I did the work. So um, last year decided it was time to do something with them. What were or are your goals with all this information? I think the goals are already being met. Uh, the feedback I've had from the book, from people who specifically read the, the alien interviews is, wow, this confirms a lot of what I've already suspected. Uh, you've confirmed a lot of things that happened to me personally and similar comments. You know, Angel, if history and I don't mean to start the interview by being cynical or pessimistic because that's not my intent, but if history is an indicator of what future contact would be, I have to tell you, and I don't mean to, again, to be pessimistic, if kings and queens use their funds to send explorers to the quote-unquote new world, we all know what happened to the existing cultures. We didn't really come in peace. So should the purpose of our new journey be to explore but I just don't see how human beings with our warlike mentalities can change that. Do you think we have matured and evolved as a species in, in order to establish communication with an extraterrestrial culture? I don't think we've developed in general. Uh, we're still, as a species, very warlike and very ter territorial. Um, whether the, the species that are coming here are... Um, akin to us sending out uh, explorers to the New World, they told us in the interviews that they had been here forever visiting. And um, they were here before us, they would be here after us, and um, it was nothing out of the ordinary. So they're really not here to save us or heal us or to invade us. They're really, uh, a lot of them, just co-visitors to this planet. Same thing would happen if we, in the future, had a a way to to explore tourism in another planet. We would just simply be observing, being neutral, I guess. But who were doctors Alan Tuff, 
I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, Alan Tuff and Scarlett Wang. And can you share with us the list of potential questions that humans should be asking of our neighbors and some things that our neighbors might be, like to know about us? This was a website that caught my interest uh, when I was writing up the um, the introduction for the for the book. And uh, uh, Alan Tuff has since passed away. And I tried to contact his wife and uh, Scarlett Wang, but uh, didn't get a response from them. So I think that branch of inquiry has been is no longer uh, in play. But what they did was Alan. Uh, they decided that they would put together a committee of 100 scientists uh, from all professions and ask them, put together a list of potential questions that might be asked of ETs visiting here uh, to ascertain if they, were, if they were real, if they were for real. I don't know the specific questions that they asked. They only alluded to them in their website. Um, but they were basically, can you tell us, you know, in general where you're from? Can you give us some indication of or any proof of who you are, DNA evidence, etc.? Um, it was just a, the website's still up there and um, it's in the book. And um, it was just a fascinating glimpse of what other people were doing to try and look at the, the, um, the alien, the enigma. I like what they said, quote, that the information given and received should not be used for destructive or harmful purposes, but to increase our understanding of the universe, to build a better world for future generations, and to enhance our sense of meaning and purpose, unquote. Very, very powerful statement there. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to put it into the book, to show that there are people out there questioning the current dogma that, you know, none of this is real. And uh, there, there are other people out there searching. And before we begin with the communication, you added that you actually discussed President Obama and the response from his administration when the question about acknowledging an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race. The response from the White House came on November 7th, 2011. What was the response? Do you know, I'm not, I don't actually remember that part. Was that in the book? That was in the book probably written by the, the, the one of Scott, Scott yeah. Jones, correct. And I include that here because I remember back in 2008, I submitted a, a similar request, granted, not to the White House. It was to my, my congressman. And I received almost a boiler template looking the same. You know, what they say mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, we don't have any evidence of extraterrestrial life, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't mean that we're not looking. And they cite SETI, they cite I'm NASA and the rest. Do you think those entities like NASA and SETI are simply window dressing to give us an illusion of exploration? I'm sure like many of the agencies, they're under uh, strict policies of what they can and cannot reveal. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot more going on than, well, I do believe there's a lot more going on than the public knows. And, uh, but it's all kept very quiet. And people like yourself are very good about putting out any new information that comes along. Um, Scott has also revealed some of the the historic revelations (laughs) in um, some of the uh, disclosure in, in the book. 
and how we can set up a, a dialogue for disclosure in the future. Um, yes, I, I believe that NASA and other organizations, and they, they have come out with tempting little bits from time to time, but nothing uh, substantial. Or if it's substantial, we're not going to be privy about it because I think that if, if these entities have evolved to the point of coming here mm-hmm. and we haven't been able to go over there, it means so many things. First of all, they are a prospective enemy in the eyes of the military. And I'm not talking about myself. I don't see them that way. Right. I'm neutral. I don't say that they're all good. I don't say that they're all bad. Everybody has their own intention and, 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 you know, the way they see the planet. They come here for resources, just like we would go to another planet and we wouldn't think twice. If we needed a resource in order to survive, we would take it. So the same thing could be happening out there. But the the military, the political system, sees this as a detrimental aspect of, of our future if, number one, free energy, cure for all disease, questioning our established religions, so many things acting against them that I I don't see a future government leader coming out with this information unless it was to deceive us. And, you know, as you know, Scott Jones, he's good friends with our friend Carol, Carol, Dr. Mm-hmm. Carol Rosson, yeah. who allegedly from Dr. Werner von Braun told her the final card would be the alien invasion and don't believe it for a minute. What's your stand on that, by the way? Um, well, we've seen inklings of that already. Um, I think there are two pathways going on. For example, the Vatican recently came out um, recently and said, yes, the, the, the ET story is true and there are space brothers and uh, etc. Um, NASA has been putting out teasers um, you know the government, the U.S. government really is is closed mouth on the issue. But then, on the other hand, you you do hear stories of you know well, you know we should be putting weapons up in space with you know the Star Wars ideology. Um, I don't think we need weapons in space. And what the ETs have told us is we will defend ourselves. Um, they are not aggressive. I mean. They come here for our resources and well for their shared resources too. Um, but if you know if they were attacked, I'm sure that they would respond. And, and you mentioned you yeah, mentioned I'm sorry, finish your statement. Oh, that's just what they and that's what they've told us. Right, right. On and the book, several parts of the book you mentioned, you and Scott mentioned Zachariah Sitchin. In April two thousand, Zachariah Sitchin, a Hebrew scholar and researcher of ancient civilizations, a biblical archaeologist, and a descendant of Abraham, met with Monsignor Balducci during an international conference held in Bellaria, Italy. Sitchin reported on his website that during their meeting, they arrived at three common conclusions. Extraterrestrials can and do exist on other planets. They can be more advanced than us, and materially, man could have been fashioned from a pre-existing sentient being. Monsignor Balducci died in September 2008, and Sitchin died in October 2010. And for anybody, anyone interested, I was very fortunate to have conducted Sitchin's last interview that discusses all of this. Why is Sitchin so important to the whole equation? I see him be mentioned throughout the book. Right. Sitchin was a scholar, as you know. Um, he looked at the uh, Sumerian 
uh, manuscripts and, and uh, deduced from that a lot of the very, very, very early history of uh, humans and uh, the possibility that we came, we were developed as a species. Um, the alien interviews say that we were not developed as a slave race, but basically as their children. Um, Zechariah Titchin got a lot of it right when we questioned uh, some of the Anunnaki about Titchin. They said, yeah, he got most of it right, but there were some things that he didn't get right because the when the um, Sumerians wrote it up, they got some things wrong. So, you know, there, as you know, with, uh, with documentation over the centuries, it can get slightly uh, altered. And you, so, left, you left the Anunnaki talks or dialogue until the very end. So you kept me on the edge of my seat waiting for that. A reason for that. <laughs> I bet you you had a reason to leave it until the end. And let's try to leave this till the end because it, okay. it becomes very apparent to me as to why. But what is the Exobiology Project? The Exobiology Project was basically what um, my client tasked me with. The, initially, it was to just talk with five of the alien species. And uh, you know, the, the tall greys, the, the small greys, the, um, the reptilians, etc., the hybrids, and um, the uh, let's see, the tall, yeah, the tall whites. And um, that was such a success. We got such a, a great, resp unexpected response to the questions that we put together that um, we then proceeded on. And that, over the year, that became the. Uh, the Exobiology Project. Now, I wanted to give a foundation of, of the book and how you came to, to converge with all this information and, and C.B. Scott Jones with you. But I know a lot of our listeners are so excited about this interview because of what we're about to discuss. Let's get to the meat of things. The Exobiology Interviews. And by the way, Exobiology means the scientific field that investigates the potential for life on other planets. What kind of protocol did you use for these interviews and what did you focus on? Of course, there is no protocol. There is no interview process to interview aliens that we, we are aware of um, in the public. So what I had to do was think about this and figured out if we were to go into the Amazon or some of some other undeveloped area and met a group of people who'd had some limited interaction with, um, with people, you know, with modern society had a little bit of language, um, what kinds of questions would be asked of them to find out about who they were, how they lived, etc., what they thought, and their philosophies. And I found a, an anthropological survey that was used for such a purpose. And I adapted that. Now, that was not the best thing because it's designed for humans, but it worked pretty well. And... Um, we did get some odd responses, like, why are you asking that question? That's a human question. Um, but um, it worked pretty well, and we adapted it over the year um, from just the straight interview process. So it sounds, the, the beginning interviews sound a bit much the same because we were asking very much the same questions of each race. But then we gradually started asking them to dialogue with each other, each race, the races to dialogue together, and then asking questions about the other races and then getting to a point where we're asking specific questions of the races 
and then actually doing some um, out-of-body type uh, site visits. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.